Thank you. Come on, let's give Jesus a clap. Let's honor Him. He paid the price for our freedom. Come on, we give Him the honor today. We thank you, Jesus. We bless you. Who is like you, Lord? Amen. Please be seated. Wow, what a great church to be in. Great people online. It's just we welcome you. God wants to touch you where you are too. And uh, thank you, John. You're so honoring in the way you uh, welcome us. Make it easy to minister. And uh, Lani, thank you for your uh, testimony. And uh, I love the way you said it's like a lifelong journey. I was on my knees this morning and I was repenting and asking God to forgive me because I saw in my background something that had carried for years and reflected against my wife and hurt her. So I asked my wife to forgive her and asked Jesus to forgive me. This is a lifelong journey. It doesn't go away. Come on, you don't just get a quick fix. You journey with the Holy Ghost. How many of you know we need the Holy Spirit to help us? We need the Holy Spirit to help us. Amen. I'm gonna share with you something very powerful. I have found when I've been working with people, this issue keeps coming up over and over and over again. And when people discover it, they're shocked with the realisation how the very thing that hurt them is now the thing that's going on in their relationships. It's like an eye-opener for people. Last night, uh, on Friday night, I shared about kingdoms and conflict. And we shared about the kingdom of God. A kingdom is a realm where a, a, a sovereign ruler has his will. In other words, no one can stop him. He, he's in charge. And so a kingdom is made up of, it has a king, a ruler. It has a, a realm or a territory people. And it has ways or laws, ways of functioning in relationship. And if you uh, flow with the, in harmony with the words of God, then we are aligned with this kingdom. Then we experience blessing and protection, the favor of God. We experience wonderful things happening in our life. The Holy Spirit has freedom to move in our life. And then we shared also that there's also another kingdom, an invisible kingdom at war with us. So if you're gonna win that war, you need to understand a bit about the war and you need to align your life right and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, you shall receive power. Oh, Holy Ghost power. How we need that Holy Ghost to touch us. Amen. So I wanna take you to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. And uh, this is Peter and he's talking to the church. And as he's talking to the church, he remembers back to when he's with Jesus and he remembers back to being thoroughly defeated and overcome. And he remembers Jesus saying that uh, he saw into the spirit realm. He said something like this to Peter. He said, Satan has desired you. He has requested and obtained permission to shake your life up. That's a strange scripture, isn't it? He said, I prayed that your faith won't fail. And when you converted, you'll strengthen the brethren. And here he is doing it right now. Here's his words. Be sober, be vigilant. Keep a clear head and keep alert to your spiritual condition and what's going on in your life. You need to be aware what's happening in your life, not unaware and overcome. And he says, for your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist him steadfast in faith. I just wanna open this up for you a little bit and uh, help you uh, understand this passage that we just read. It describes something like a law court. Some of you have been in court would understand what this is like. You have an adversary. The word adversary uh, is the word meaning a prosecutor in a law court. It's the one who brings a charge against you, demanding conviction, and demanding a penalty against you. That's what goes on in a court. In a court, you have a prosecutor who reads out a charge against you. Somewhere you've been caught out, you've done something wrong, and the prosecutor reads out the charge, 
gives you the date and the details. All the details are listed. And he demands that you be judged as being guilty and that then there be a punishment required. Or a le- the, now, once the, the, the judgment is made, then, then, of course, the consequences come. And so in that court, there's a judge. The judge listens to the evidence, the evidence against, the evidence for. And then he makes his decision. And so you're either acquitted or you're judged guilty, and then there's a penalty. That's how courts work. Now, of course, natural courts are based on the reality in the spirit realm. They're just a reflection of God's government in the earth. In this case, uh, we have a judge and the judge is our father, but he's a just judge. Therefore, he can't show favoritism to his children. Everything in his heart wants him to be free. Everything in his heart wants him to be able to uh, walk out of that court and there's no punishment against him. However, he has set rules and laws in place and he is a just judge, he abides by them. So what you need then is an attorney. You need someone to represent you. You need someone to stand up and speak on your behalf. The Bible says 1 John 2 verse 1, now Jesus, we have an advocate with the Father. We have an attorney. We have someone representing us, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who died on the cross to pay the penalty for all of our sins. Now here's the thing. No matter what the devil brings against you, Jesus has an answer. He's paid the penalty to set you free. Now, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you go to a court and, and, and you're prosecuted and you're found guilty and then there's a fine, it's like Jesus has paid the fine. So yes, I'm guilty, but the fine is paid. I plead that the fine is paid. And so you plead through someone. And that someone we plead through is Jesus Christ. So Jesus represents us before our Father. Listen, He can only represent you if you come to Him. He can only vindicate you and declare you innocent if you've brought your transgression to Him. He says, yes, my client pleads guilty. However, however, we have paid the fine. I personally paid it for him. So we have the judge who's our father. We have an elder brother who's on our side. Everyone's on our side except the devil who's the adversary. If you have no answer to what you did, then the verdict has to be carried out. And here's what we're going to see. I'm going to to share about an area particularly, which is a problem for us. It says, notice it says, your adversary. This is personal. Your adversary. In the spirit realm, you're under observation all the time. You have an adversary. Your adversary consists of invisible spirit beings in an invisible kingdom who observe you all the time. And it says he walks about. That word walk about means to circle around you, observing your lifestyle, looking for vulnerability and opportunities to bring a case against you. Imagine living your life and someone in the spirit realm is watching every word, listening for every word, watching everything you say, understands what you're doing and how you're treating people, looking for a chance to bring a case against you. Ouch, exactly. It says he is looking to accuse you He's looking to accuse you and require legal right to access your life and bring destruction. That's how this works. That's why we need to understand that whole process. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. Revelations 12, 10, he accuses us day and night before our father. So there's a relentless accusations. One of the warfare, one of the wars against us. The Bible tells us God is a judge. He's the just judge of all the earth. Jesus is our advocate. 
Now, here's the thing, that much of the problems we face and the area that we struggle with so much is when we experience injustices in life. How you handle unjust treatment, unfair treatment, has a great bearing on how the spirit realm comes against you or whether you walk in victory. Injustices in life are inevitable, but God brings everyone to account. So there is a day of justice. But in the meantime, we all go through life experiencing unfair treatment. You hear kids, they say, it's not fair, it's not fair. You know, <laughs> and they, they kind of walk through life and then they come out as an adult, it's not fair. You know, and, and it's kind of like a, a wiring inside. So what is an injustice? An injustice means I was not treated justly or fairly. I was treated wrongly. My rights were violated. I was not treated fairly. I was treated unjustly, maybe rejected or whatever. So uh, an injustice is some things that we experience through life growing up and, and we experience it today. It can be in all kinds of places. And injustice can be real. Something really unjust did happen to us. And injustice can be perceived. We just think that it was an unjust treatment, but it wasn't. But in the end, we react the same way. So when people are treated unjustly and unfairly, how do they respond? Well, mostly people respond in two ways. The first way is they get offended. They get offended and they hold offenses in their heart and become angry. And if it's not resolved, it leads to resentment and then bitterness that defiles. The second way that people uh, react when they're treated unfairly is to form judgments, to make an opinion usually a generalized opinion based on one thing that happened to us. We form a conclusion or an opinion based on our experience. Now, the thing you have to understand is both offenses and judgments are legal doors for demonic spirits to access our life to destroy. Jesus made it clear in Matthew 18, 34, 35, if you won't forgive from the heart everyone his brother, you will be delivered to tormentors. Or if I put it another way, if we want to walk and live in the blessing and flow of God, the mercy we receive must be passed on to others. Or I'll put it another way, he's, God says in, in the promise to Abraham, I will bless you and you will become a blessing. So whatever blessing God brings to your life, it's not just for you, it's to pass on to others so you represent the one who blessed you. So we're called to be sons and daughters of our Father. If He blesses us, then bless others. If something is given to you, give to others. If you've received mercy, give mercy to others. If you've received forgiveness, forgive others. That's what He's saying. He's saying the flow of blessing will cease if you don't pass it on. Blessing is not meant to be kept. The blessing is to you and through you to others. You're called to be a blessing. That's why we testify. When we testify, the same anointing that blessed us is activated and released to help others to get a victory in the same area. So you've got to, you've got to realize whatever God has blessed you with, thank Him for it and bless others with it. And that keeps us in the flow of blessing. That was the whole point of the parable of Matthew 18 about offenses. The guy who was, who was forgiven so much, received so much mercy, his, his failure was his failure to pass it on. When someone had offended him, when someone owed him money, only a little amount 
compared to what he'd been forgiven, he withheld mercy. And his withholding mercy greatly affected what happened in his life. It's the same for Christians. If we, receive, if we want to walk in mercy, show mercy to others. If you want to walk in God's mercy, stop judging other people. Judgments, you can feel them. You feel them when someone is judging you. You can feel it. That tells you then that that judgment in their heart is not just a thought or an attitude. It has something spiritual behind it that's altering the atmosphere. And instead of being drawn and welcomed, you are now tolerated and, and held back. You feel it because there's something going on in the spiritual atmosphere around you. So people, I'm, I'm not gonna go into the area of offenses. I wanna focus just on the area of judgments because it's the one that's so common to Christians to be judgmental about others. So what do we mean when we say judgment? Well, it's, to judge someone is to form a conclusion or decision about them. You form a conclusion based on limited evidence. It's a conclusion about the person. Now we are to judge actions. That was a careless action. That was a foolish action. That was a destructive action. But when you go past that and now judge the person, now you've moved into a different realm. See, you've now expressing a judgment against a person. And when we do that, lots of consequences come. Now, here's the thing. Most of the reasons we judge people, we judge them based on limited evidence. So for example, I, had a, I was, I was um, outside my house working sometime a few years ago. I just started out as a young Christian. And there were some kids playing on the street and I was just out there working in the garden and old lady over the road came over and then I, I hear her yelling out. She's got red in the face because she drank quite a bit too. And anyway, she's, she's red in the face and she's yelling and yelling, yelling. I thought, what, what the heck is she yelling about? Who's she yelling to? And she was yelling about someone being a very bad father and irresponsible and not taking care of their children. I thought, oh, wait a minute, she's talking about me. She's yelling at me. And then immediately I went into reaction mode. Then I pulled myself back in. I said, what's going on here? Now I could have judged her right then but I didn't see the big picture. And that's the problem when you judge people, you don't see the big picture like God does. You don't see why they're behaving badly. You just see what you see and what you experience and form your judgments based on your limited experience. Only God knows the injustices they've suffered and why they're behaving less than he designed them to be. I went down to talk to the lady. She was very angry and she was yelling at me. I just talked very quietly and softly because a soft answer turns away anger. I just kept asking questions. You seem to be upset. What are you worried about? And she, and she slowly calmed down and she said, oh, well, you've got your children playing out on the streets, very dangerous. I said, they're not my children. And I said, <laughs> I said, now remember, she was accusing me of being a bad father. She made a judgment against me based on, assumptions, but it's actually deeper than that. And so I said, well, what is it you're worried about? So I'm worried someone will come around the corner and run into them. I said, well, I think they're reasonably far back from the corner. and It's an uphill thing. I think it'll be all right. And then I said, what are you really worried about? And she said, my husband, he's coming home soon. I'm a bit afraid he might run into them. And I said, why would he do that? 
He said, well, he's not well. I said, what's wrong with him? She said, oh, he's got quite a serious heart trouble, and I'm fearful he'll die. Now, that's a long way. My husband is sick, and I'm afraid he'll die. To you are a bad father. Can you understand? But you see, see how we don't see the full picture. And that's why you can't judge people easy because you don't know their story. You don't know their journey. You, you're just making a decision based on limited evidence. And God, who sees the big picture, sees a different story. He sees why they're behaving badly. He sees the injustices they've gone through and how it's, just, how it's impacted their life and how it's affected them. So, so, he, so we're very, we should be quick to listen, slow to judge, really. So, so, so only God can see the full picture. So that's why we withhold judging people. Say, but who do we judge? Well, people judge their parents. Well, my dad was this, my mum was this. We judge drivers. Certain of a certain nationality. We do it. And it becomes, we judge ourselves. I'm useless, I can't do this, I'm never can see. We start to say things, we judge ourselves. We come into agreement with the judgments of others against us. We judge gender. Men, all men are like, oh, men. You know, in other words, they've had a bad experience with one man and now it's all men. That's a judgment. Well, women, women drivers. You know, he's had a bad experience with one and now it's everyone is judged. Can you see when you judge, you actually take one bad experience, form an opinion and decision, and now everyone comes under that category. The police. Well, there's another one. Bible says they're the ministers of God to you for your good. So you better be careful how you treat them. Come on. So there's lots of things. We judge church. Oh, church. Well, basically, you had a bad experience in one church, and it was a bad experience, and it was unjust, but that doesn't mean all churches are like that. And Jesus said something. He's going to perfect his church. So why have you judged the church, withdrawn from the church, and put yourself into a bad place. You've listened to a demon. You've participated in judging and you've ended up under judgment yourself. Come on. So we ju people judge rich people. They judge poor people. <coughs> people on the doll. Oh, this lazy, won't work. Well, that's a judgmental attitude. How do you know? C can you understand this? This is everywhere. I mean, you can probably think up all your own examples of how judgmental we get. And judgmentalism or being judgmental about people flows out of pride. I'm better than that. I wouldn't do that. That's what's at the core of it. I'm better than that. So I look down on you and scorn you. Yeah, that's come on. That's what judging is all about. Man, oh man. We judge people on their race, the color. Come on, this is what's going on all over the world now. Just the feeling and sense of deep injustice of experiencing bad treatment just because of my color. Well, this is a very big issue. It's a very big problem. And it's a strategy of the demonic realm. How can you recognize judgments? Well, usually this is the best, this is probably the easiest way that you can recognize you've made a judgment. When you make an inner vow, I will never, I'll never trust any men. I'll never open up to a woman. I'll never cry. So somewhere, You've been hurt and made a judgment that if you cry, you're weak. Maybe you were told, don't be a sissy. And you learnt then, when you cry, you're weak. 
I'll never be weak. So often people, from the judgments they make, you can tell that there's, uh, from the inner vows they make, there's a judgment there. You get the idea? Wow. So, so, that, so you make vows to protect yourself. I'll never open up. I'll never become vulnerable. I'll make sure I'm this. I'll make sure I'm that. All of those tell you you've made judgments in your heart, and now you open the door to many problems. Let me just show. Here's another way you can tell. We begin to speak evil of others. In James 4.11, don't speak evil one another. If you speak evil of one another, you're judging your brother. Now, when you speak evil of someone, you're literally cursing them. You are giving permission to demonic spirits to attack them. And because you've judged them, now, it's, now demons come against you as well. See, this is what goes on. It's clear in the Scripture. Don't speak evil. If you speak evil to someone else, that means you're speaking against them. You're speaking bad about them, bad-mouthing them, talking behind their back. You are cursing them. You're cursing them when we grumble and complain about others. James 5, 9, don't grumble against one another. Lest you, lest, he said, lest you be condemned or judged because the judge is standing at the door. He's listening to your words. So the devil looks and said, look at that. Look at that. Would you just look at that? Grumbling, complaining, and speaking evil against. I appeal to the judge. I saw on this day he was speaking this way, bad-mouthing this way, and I demand now that a verdict of guilty be rendered against him and that I have right to access and bring judgment on him and also on the one he cursed. That's how it works. That's how it works. When, here's another way you can tell you're judging, when you show partiality, how you treat people. You avoid some and you favor others. That's not a problem in the church, is it? Or I favor leader type people because they can get me ahead. Partiality. Or I favor rich people because they can help me get ahead. Partiality. See, see, it shows up in lots of little ways. And if you show, and here's the scripture. He said, he says, my brethren, James 2.1, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. In other words, don't be a believer and show partiality. Love all people. Don't treat them differently because of how they dress, because of the car they drive. Oh, driving a nice car. Come, come sit over here. We've got a special place for you. That's what it's saying. You show partiality. You are judged. And it, and it says, it goes on to say, it says, have you not shown partiality and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, if you become a judge, now the devil can say, that person's a proud person. I demand the right to humiliate them. Many people don't realize that. I'm not doing some gross sin or some big thing or out there doing some weird thing. I'm just in church, but I got pride and I'm judgmental. And then people wonder why they don't live in the power of the Holy Ghost and live in freedom. Here's another thing. We despise and look down on the people as being inferior. Romans 14, 13, uh, 3, let him who uh, eats does not despise the one who doesn't eat and judge him. In other words, when you look at people and you start to look down on them, you are judging them because they have different standards. They do things differently, whatever. This thing is insidious. It creeps up on us so easily how people dress, how people look, how people talk, where they come from, what kind of family, what kind of car. It goes on and on and on and on and on. In other words, it's a war zone. So you've got to learn then how to align yourself so you don't come under condemnation, don't come under the power of demonic spirits, don't actually end up being, having demons activated against you. What are the consequences of forming ungodly judgments? There are consequences. And the scriptures are very clear on. Here's the first one. Ungodly judgments, you defile and contaminate every one of your relationships. 
because underneath God and those judgments is pride and bitterness. And usually you find whenever there's that in Hebrews 12, 15, you, you defile every relationship you're in when you're judgmental. It becomes poisoned. You, it creates an expectation that draws more of the same thing into your life. So if you, you have a judgment in your heart, well, all men will treat you badly. Now here's the amazing thing. The, pe- the men you draw to your life will treat you badly. And you think, well, that proves it. I told you, I knew it. No, you're just proving God's word. That by your bitterness is defiling all your relationships. You're bringing people into you who treat you that way. And that's what happens in marriages. Your people come together, they feel connected to someone. And sometimes they haven't gone through the process of letting the heart be cleansed and purified. And they may have attracted someone in who's exactly like the person they were trying to escape. So, so people say, I'll never be like my dad. Oh, yes, you will. You've judged him, and so you will. Well, I'll never be like my mum. Oh, yes, you sound just like her. <laughs> I'll never marry anyone like my dad. Why are you sitting here counseling then? This is what goes on. So, so we, we defile all our relationship. Number two, we activate demonic spirits against us. Matthew 7, and it tells us in verse 1 and 2, don't judge lest you be judged. So here's the thing. When you judge someone, immediately in the realm of the Spirit, you are judged. There's a judgment against you. Whoa. You've got a lot of stuff up there to be cleaned up then, haven't you? See, whenever you judge someone else, a judgment is registered in the heavens against you, giving legal rights for spirits to attack. Think about that. He said, for the judgment you judge, you will be judged. The measure you use, it will be measured back. Notice there? It says, so if you, if you judge people by appearances, you'll be judged just by your appearances too. In other words, the way you treat others is how you'll be treated. So when judgment comes, if you judge others by appearances, well, you're judged by your appearances and activities too. Come on, come on. See how we judge others? That's how we'll be judged. James 2.13, judgment is without mercy to the one who shows no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So we all need mercy. We make too many mistakes. I need mercy. I need. He says, come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. But when you come to the throne of grace, what if you're holding judgments against all sorts of people? You never get free. You, you just stay in trouble. You don't gain access to what God wants to give you because there's repentance needed. Here's another thing. We reap in our lives and relationships what we sown. Galatians 6, 7, don't be deceived. In other words, everyone gets it wrong in this area. If you sow it, you'll reap it. And if you reap it, you'll reap more of it. And the problem is there's a gap between sowing and reaping, and you can't connect your problems now with the judging further back. That's what counselors help you do. And all my counseling, I help people see that what they're reaping now came about because years ago they did this. And the Bible's clear, don't be, don't be deceived. Well, you were deceived. You thought you got away with it. You thought it didn't matter. It did matter. And now the consequences are showing as fruit in your marriage and in your family. I can remember at one point saying, uh, I remember being impatient with uh, one of my children. And then, and then I went away thinking, you know, I, 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 I promised myself I'd never be like that. And here I am just like that. And then I thought about it, and thought, oh, wait a minute. I've actually judged my father and said, I'll never be like him. I'll never do that to my kids. And here I am doing it. How did that happen? 
how did that happen? I hated it happening to me, and now it's happening to my children that I love. Why would that be happening? Something must be operating that I'm not aware of. It's a judgment. The judgment I made, now I'm reaping it, and it's reproduced in my own life. Oh, you're getting quiet now. Huh? See? Romans 2.1 says, The very things we judged others for, we find ourselves doing. And I find, like I just had a, a young woman in recently, and we were talking, and in the process of talking, the Holy Spirit came on her, and she said, you know what? She said, my dad was very angry. I said, how did you cope with his anger? She said, oh, well, I just shut off. I said, what else did you do? She said, oh, well, I kind of just tried to rescue all the family and try to just kind of protect them all from it. I said, now just stop. The reason you came here was about your marriage your husband's angry and you're doing the same things, disconnecting and trying to enable or empower it instead of dealing with it. She was shocked. She couldn't grasp how the thing that had hurt her so deeply that she judged now was reappearing in her life. And I said, you're doing now what you said years ago you'd never do when you got married. You're going to have to process the pain of your father's anger you're going to have to forgive him and withdraw all judgments that you've made against him that men will do this. And then you'll be in a position to now work because you're part of the problem in this marriage. You're enabling and empowering what you should actually be speaking up about. So if we want to see kingdom reality in our life in this area, we need to keep our heart free of judgment. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do it because the Holy Spirit keeps you sweet. Say, Holy Spirit, soften my heart. See, Holy Spirit, I pray most days now. Holy Spirit, give me a meek and a humble heart. I don't want to have pride that becomes judgmental and harbors offenses. I want to keep a heart free of offense. So, so the, the door out of it, and I had to practice it myself this morning. Dear Lord, I thought of the irony of it. As I'm sitting there and I thought, I hurt my wife with my attitude when she asked me to help with something in a device. And I thought, you know, and the Lord showed me right back and I could see in detail my father standing next to me doing the same thing to me. And every detail of the room, I'd forgotten all what it was like. And I saw every detail of it. And I realized I am wounded. I'm hurt in my heart, carrying injustice. I've made a judgment and now I'm doing the same thing. So I had to humble myself and repent, 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 release forgiveness and release the pain of what happened, and then withdraw the judgment. You can't just leave judgments. They're there till they're withdrawn. I break my agreement to judge him. I withdraw that judgment now, Lord. And Lord, I ask now for your grace to be free of it, to break that cycle and enable me to walk in kindness and love and mercy. And there's a pathway out of it. How about that? How about that? I want you to close your eyes right now. Holy Spirit, come and show us where in our heart we have formed judgments because we have experienced injustice and bad treatment. We suffered under the bad treatment of people. We don't know why they behaved the way they did. We don't know what injustice they experienced that led them 
to behave so badly and to not be who they're called to be. But Lord, show me in my heart where I have become offended and hurt and then judged. Judge my father. Judge my mother. And set a cycle of failure into my life. Judged all men. Judged all women. Judged myself because others judge me and I agreed with them. I'm stupid. I can't do stuff. I'm not much worth much value. Nobody cares about me. Nobody listens to me. You'd be amazed how many people judge no one will listen to me. And then they find no one listens to them. How did that happen? Because the bitterness and the judgment have imprisoned them. And what they expected happens. No one's listening. No one hears me. Is that you? Perhaps you've made judgments about money. You grew up and you suffered poverty and embarrassment because of it. and So you made a judgment. Some people make a judgment, money's evil, and then they can't ever keep it or grow wealth. Others make a judgment that money will make me happy, and yet they're never happy. They're just in bondage to seeking more. Perhaps it's a judgment against authorities, authorities at school, authorities and civil authorities, authorities in the church. Basically, there's a judgment because you've suffered an injustice. Well, all authorities will abuse you. Don't ever trust them. Don't let them get near you. Perhaps you've said in your heart, I'll never open my heart to anyone. I'll never become vulnerable. I'll never cry. I'll never show weakness. I'll never marry anyone like that. I'll never be like that. What you're saying is I'm better than that. There's pride and judgment in your heart. It's better we just humble ourselves and say, Father, forgive me. I've been hurt. I've suffered injustice. But I've carried the wound instead of forgiving. I've become offended and built walls. I've tried to protect myself. I've judged people and made vows. Lord, today I repent. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. And from within my heart, I release the pain to you. I release forgiveness to that person. I withdraw each judgment I made. judgments about color, about race. Or oh, we can never trust this one or that one. Judgments about people. I withdraw them. And I ask you, Lord, to set me free and establish your kingdom where there's righteousness and peace and exceeding great joy the Holy Ghost gives. 